Years and years ago, there was a man. It's actually hilarious. I was speaking at a church in, in Dallas and uh, finished, and a man came up to me, and uh, he said, uh, I'm getting ready to move to Fort Lauderdale. Can I have your card? I'm going to call you. Uh, when I get there to help me find a church. And I said, absolutely, here's my card, please call. And he walks away, and the pastor says, you don't know who that is, do you? And I said, no. And he said, that's Chan Gailey, coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And I said, he's never going to call me, is he? That would be so awesome. Um, and, and he called. And uh, I've never met a more humble man. Uh, he said, my car's not here yet. Uh, can we get some lunch? Can you drive over to the, um, whatever that thing's called, where they... The dolphins are. Can you uh, drove and pick me up? And we went across the street to La Spada's sub shop, and we're sitting on the curb. I'm sitting on the curb with the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I kept it was so surreal, and uh, he was just so down to earth in Georgia. And uh, players are coming out of La Spada's. Hey, coach. Hey, coach. And he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Dolphins, and invites me uh, to come up in the box with him for a game. And so go up in the box, and all of a sudden, he's calling off these plays down there, to, down on the field, and he says, watch this. And I'm waiting to watch this, and he calls off a play, the Dolphins get destroyed, calls off another play, Dolphins get destroyed, and then he says, now watch this. And he so set the other team up for what they were going to do, and they did just the opposite and scored a touchdown. The first two things he did seemed so foolish and stupid, but he set them up. We're going to look at that today. There are times that God does things that, really, Lord, it seems so foolish. And we're going to look at, we're, we're in John, but we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross seems to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize the message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them to look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save all those who believe. God's way seems foolish to the Jews. See how many times the word foolish is in there. Foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it, to prove it to be true. And it is foolish to the Greeks because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified and the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's nonsense, but to those called to, by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. This, quote, foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is far, more, is far stronger than the greatest of human strength. In this month's Good News, uh, Roby wrote an article on this couple that had been at his church for a month, and he invited them out. Um, and when he invited them out to lunch, uh, he wanted to make sure they were Christians. And he starts giving the gospel, and he talks about Jesus uh, resurrecting from the dead. And the husband stops him. Whoa, whoa, what does that mean? And Roby said, I thought you said you used to go to church before you came out here to West Pines. He said, I did. We've been in church years. 
and you don't know about Jesus coming back from the coming back from the dead. And Roby says, the first time I, I looked at it and realized that this culture and so many churches aren't even close, coming close to the gospel. It's feel good. Make me feel good. Don't offend me. Don't give me impossible. Make me feel good. And, it, and it's kind of like watching D. James Kennedy. I, I taught up at FAU for a little bit, and, uh, which was a nightmare for me. And, and uh, D. James Kennedy came to debate uh, these four, or three or four people in the science department, evolution. And the look on people's faces that he could actually believe that. And so much of what they were saying, and this was 30 years ago, uh, the, the evolutionists, now we know is not true. And there's a, there's a humor in God. And the humor in God is, you can't imagine? Yes, Bob, I spoke it. Let there be this and let there be that. and let, I'm either God or I'm not God. So back in the late 70s, there was a revival in a country called Tanzania started by this, I can't remember his name, started by this one pastor who went over there and uh, uh, all of a sudden started calling for pastors in America to come and help him because he was baptizing over 25,000 a year. And my pastor went over uh, and just saw it. It was just amazing, baptizing over 25,000 a year. So my pastor invites him when, when he's back on furlough uh, this pastor from Tanzania, he's an American from Tanzania, to fill our pulpit on a Sunday morning. And, and Pastor Billingsley asked me to sit next to him. And I, I didn't know why, and he never really asked that. And so I sat next to him. This guy steps into the pulpit. He was horrible. I mean, it was 40 minutes of put me to sleep. He was horrible. And Billingsley couldn't wait till after closing out the service and bop, bop, bop. And he said, what did you think? And I said, I don't know what to say. And he starts to laugh, and he said, so you think it's somebody's skill that brings people to Christ? Even the rocks will cry out. I think God loves doing that. Loves doing that. The whole, the whole picture here, number one on your outline, God's use of seemingly foolish things to produce incredible miracles only serves to letter A, Reveal the awesome, inconceivable power of God. That he would use anybody. The inconceivable power of God. Wow. So Blackaby, who wrote, what, did, what was that he called he wrote? Experiencing God, which went everywhere. Had a monster impact. Billingsley also had Blackaby in, the, in our pulpit. He was horrible. Yeah, have you heard him? Yeah, he, he was just, but I got to tell you, reading all of Tim Keller's books, and the first time you hear Tim Keller speak, and you think, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? He's monotone, and he goes, uh, 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 it's horrible, and he's just radically changed uh, Manhattan. And so somebody gives me, a, uh, Rick gave me a CD of Tim Keller on Romans 8.28. And I got to tell you, Romans 8.28 somehow gets squeezed into every sermon. I, I, all things work together for good. Um, and so I listened to it for Rick. And I said to myself, get past his delivery, get past his delivery. And I'm on the way over to Naples to teach. And I listened to it twice over and twice back. Never heard of content like that. It's all him. It's all him. 
Letter B, reveal that he is more than worthy to be trusted in all circumstances. Because there's a purpose to everything in all circumstances. Bottom line here, he knows your circumstances in all circumstances. This is pathetic that you're using him to be your secretary because a lawyer who doesn't have a pen, what's that? Wow. Even, even, <laughs> even the miracle, he could use Glenn Leonard. But then he used Balaam's donkey also, so that's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Letter C, reveals in many cases, certainly not this one, the humor of God, the absolute humor of God. And you see that in the, in the dialogue between Job and God, and Job's friends have just told him, look, just curse God and die. All these things that are happening to you, all these things, just curse God and die. And uh, so God comes back in Job 38.1, then the Lord answered Job, out of the storm, he said, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Who do you think you are, Job? This, this has to be pretty scary right here. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And I, I want to see this on a, on a DVD in heaven. The storm, God talking out of the storm, Job realizing this. Um, okay, and then God goes through, it's, it, it's worthy sometimes just for fun to look at the questions in Job 38, because God says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Where were you when I made the earth and bound the seas and created light? And, and where, where were you? Where were you? And he'll go on to say, where were you when, when I created the ostrich? The ostrich, a funny-looking bird. It doesn't say it like this, but alludes to it. A funny-looking bird that has feathers and wings but can't fly. In fact, it runs like a horse. It's hilarious. And it goes on to some other animals. Where were you when I created this? Where were you when I created that? Who are you anyway? Then Job replied to the Lord in Job 42. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. God chooses to do it God's way. He's God. He spoke it. He's God. This is for you personally, whatever you're dealing with right now in life. He's God. Number two, God chooses to do many things in a seemingly foolish way that confounds the wisdom of man on purpose. <clears throat> Can I say we're in a time now, it's the most angry time I've ever seen in our culture. We need to be the opposite. We need to be kind. Doesn't make sense. We need to be kind. We need to be generous. We need to be radically Christ-like. We need, and, and people might say, it's kind of foolish to be generous. What happens what's, if something happens to the economy? You know, the end of the day, my economy's up to him. Done. We need to be kind. We need to not let them make us angsty, especially as we head into an election. We need to be kind. Yeah. 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish. I think 
the most foolish I felt for, for a season, a couple of months, was when we finally got this property and for, uh, that we're on right now. And it was, you know the story, it was a $30 million campus, 500,000 an acre, <clears throat> and it was uh, owned by the GNC Vitamin King. He was going to build, on the 60 acres on Flamingo, he was going to build factories for vitamins uh, to South America. And those, those million dollar homes that we back up to, they're not gonna have a factory there. I think he realized that now that I look at it. And so we went, instead of offering him 500,000 an acre, we offered him 50,000 an acre, and he counted at 53,000 an acre. And I'm ecstatic, and we go to lunch uh, with the three business guys I was with, and they said, you don't look ecstatic. What, what, what? I, I said, I'm not. I just realized, driving over to get something to eat, I just realized, we just committed to $3.1 million. And they said, well, how much does Sharon else have? I said, we have $10,000. What are we thinking? And I go, two different men, honestly, um, Either one of those men at that time could have bought the whole property for us, and both of them, one, only one used the word foolish. This is very, very foolish. You're going to take Sharon House down the drain. And the other one said, I'm not, I, you're a friend. I'm not going to be a part of this debacle, and I, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm talking to Roby on the phone. He was in college, and he said, Dad, you've been an interim in all these churches. Just ask churches to buy an acre. Oh, well, he's always been smarter than me. Roby was 30 when he was 12. Led his first person to the Lord at eight. Um, but, and I thought, wow, and I'm not sure how to ask for 53,000 from churches and watching them race to get involved and to create a story and such a story that people have come from all over the country because they've heard the story. Just doing other ministries and asking me, and do you, do you have your fundraising plan in some kind of a manual or something? And I said, absolutely not. I have no idea how this works. It's just, I don't know how it works. And, I, and two of them, one from Willow Creek and one from Focus on the Family, I said, don't come. Don't come. And they came anyway because they thought I was being humble. There's nothing humble about this. I just don't know how it works. Yeah, he's got you. God deliberately chose things of the world, things the world considers foolish. So our focal passage, John 19, 18, there they crucified him. There were two others crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus, crucified. He's crucified king of everything between two criminals. I mean, the foolish discouragement of this to his disciples, it has to be obvious that we've lost Everything's lost to his mother. We've lost. And to add to this, Pilate does something incredibly sarcastic. Verse 19, and Pilate posted a sign over him that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many could read it because so many had come to town for the Passover from all over the, the world in that area. So, up there, and what's gonna happen here, it's interesting because there's so much involved in that. The Greeks, the Greeks thought. They were into thought. They were the thinkers. They were the debaters. The Romans were into the law, and the Hebrews were into the worship. When you combine those three, this is Jesus. Most brilliant of all, creator thought, uh, spoke the world into and the word, the law. And then on top of that, the worship. 
Yeah, and this is going to infuriate the leaders of the, of the temple. Verse 21, then the leading priest said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, what I have written, I've written. It stays exactly as it is. He's done debating with them. No, he didn't claim. And the angels have to be watching. Going, wow, that's brilliant. Out of the sarcastic mouth of Pilate, put that up there. This is unbelievably brilliant. All together, the whole package. Pilate put it up sarcastically, but they're going to all go back and remember and go, oh. Even in the midst of this, Jesus, the king of the Jews, yeah. Number three, ironically, the posted sign was wrong, but it was wrong because it stated far too little, not way too much, far too little. Jesus isn't only king of the Jews, he's king of the Gentiles, he's king of the universe. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish. Yeah, can you imagine the disillusionment of his followers by these circumstances, by the cockiness of Pilate, by the arrogance of the religious leaders? But then there's God, the Father on the platform, smiling. And the angels have to be looking. And I don't know how all this works because there's no time in heaven. There's no time in heaven. My mom died when I was 16. I'm going to arrive in heaven a second after her. There's no time in heaven. It's all perfect walking in. And so the angels are going to start to see, oh, this was the plan. Passover lamb. Yeah, his followers all seemed lost, and there are times in our lives when all seems lost, whether it's financial or health or family issues, all seems lost. Yeah, it, it would be foolish to imagine that anything good could come from this, wouldn't it? No. God's in charge. Number four in your outline. Ever thought how could anything good possibly come from this tragedy, this circumstance in my life right now? Then we've got to ask ourselves, is Matthew 19.26 truth or fiction? Yeah, with God, everything is possible. With God, absolutely, Matthew 19.26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Who spoke it in? Just spoke it into existence. Yeah, ever get stuck on what seems impossible in your life? This just isn't right. This just isn't fair. I just don't understand it. And that's when we've got to back up. And we've got to go, wow. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Someday, someday, it took me 20 plus years to be able to thank God for taking my mom home when I was 16. And it took probably another 10 after that <clears throat> for somebody in the lobby of a church where I was serving to ask Rosemary, ask me, what gave you such a compassion for women? And especially single moms when you grew up in a single dad home. Why aren't you working with single dads? And can I say, we initially worked with single parent dads and single parent moms till I realized I was creating a dating service uh, during the events. And okay, this isn't working like this. 
Uh, we, we got a divide and conquer, and the, and the dads didn't need as much financial help as the moms. Um, but the picture here, um, I said, what, she said, what gave you such a compassion for I said, I don't know. And Rosemary said, oh, I do. He lost his mom. It just gave him a great compassion for women in need. She's dying, dying while during dying of cancer. Yeah. Stuck. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. I trust you. I'm keeping my eyes on you. I, I mean, don't you want to go for a walk with Jonah? Um, what was your attitude during those three days? Really? Bizarre. And then get vomited up on the beach? Ooh. Number five, so often the impossible or even just the difficult circumstances of life, of life seem like destinations rather than roads or even portals to God's perfect plan for us. Yeah, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. So number six on your outline, who's in charge of your life? We know that God is, but we live like, letter A, live like Circumstances are in charge of me. Circumstances are in charge of me. You know, I'll never forget at Rick Hornsby's funeral in uh, end of May, I think it was, um, the number of people, it was at Calvary Chapel, uh, it was huge, the number of people from the medical community that showed up because of his constant testimony to them and the number of surgeries, I, I, it was bizarre and double lung transplant and on and on and on and the number of people that drove incredible distances because he was constantly praising God and before every surgery can I pray for us had a huge and I'm looking at these people from the medical community and they're all sitting in rows and they just you could see I just would like to believe what I'm hearing but I'm so ingrained with science Circumstances are in charge of me. Letter B, other people are in charge of me. Or the great American lesson, number C, I am in charge of my future. No, there's a better I am. Actually, capital A, the great I am is in charge of your future. Or letter D, my past is in charge of my future. What I've done, what's happened, the sin, the mistakes, no, it's, it's Romans 8.31. What can we say about such wonderful things of, as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? As we go out of here today, unload your backpack as you're driving around. Lord, what's, what's the little error in my truster? The little thorn in my truster? Yeah, but Father, could I say if we could just, if you could just take care of this, if you could just do this, if you could just give me this deal, if you could just help me with this. And that was me in front of the 27 acres on Pines Boulevard that was supposed to be ours. I knew it was supposed to be ours. And, and, and Barrow County Schools buys it out from under us and I'm sitting there asking God, why? Oh, son, I got so much, 60 acres? I got so much more for you, impossible. Impossible. And then we're saying to God, the whole uh, rendering was for 40 acres. We needed 40 acres. 
And uh, to get this actually is 57 plus, I keep calling it 60. Uh, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize, this is amazing, that to do something on 40 acres, you need to mitigate 12 plus and put wetlands in. That we had to have more than 40 to put in the, the lake, the, we have a 12 acre lake and all the green stuff and all the different things there. You knew, ah, uh, duh, yeah. But Bob, you just, you just so often get in the way, son. And you so often doubt. I mean, you're a Christian, so you walk around smiling, praising God. Uh, but in your heart is saying, what are you doing? I got this, son. And can I say, he loves you more than dirt, acreage. Acreage isn't going to heaven, you are. He knows the plan he has for you. All he wants me to do is trust him. He's got the rest. <laughs>